This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. The magic of sports in action, folks. So uh, tack this on in a bit of a back to the future-ish fashion. So uh, news just came down the pike that uh, Rick Nash has been traded from the New York Rangers to the Boston Bruins. Uh, The details are still uh, coming in, but uh, uh, from the looks of it, it seems to be that the Rangers are receiving a first-round pick from the Boston Bruins, Uh, so it's going to be a first-round pick and a seventh-round pick for uh, Rick Nash. Uh, Coming back uh, to the Rangers, though, uh, seems to be a couple of players, so Ryan Spooner, who can play wing, play center as well, but he's a bottom-six type of forward. I mean, the Rangers would probably play him in the top six, but he's probably better suited as a third-line center or uh, or if he's playing a wing, a second-line wing. So fits right in with the collection the Rangers have. Uh, Matt Bolesky, who is, for lack of a better term, uh, pest on the ice and an irritant. So he'll he'll get be a little bit scrappy for the Rangers. Uh, not much in terms of offensive production, uh, but he does have a bit of size on his contract so uh that was probably one of the provisos for bosses that we took on Bleski's contract and uh we have uh, uh Ryan Lindgren uh who is a second round draft pick uh from uh uh for the Bruins back in 2015 uh played in Minnesota uh but a uh, young defenseman has some skills so it looks like uh one of those situations where Boston has a ton of young defensemen, so uh, Lindgren was expendable. Spooner wasn't going to have a role on Boston with uh, Rick Nash coming in. So, uh, you know, this could be the case of uh, Pierre Bergeron not being out an extended amount of time uh, with uh, with because uh, he was seen in the walking boot, uh, which I alluded to earlier in the podcast. But, again, uh, looks looks along the lines of... Uh, you know, the Bruins are looking at this and saying they did not want to lose ground in the playoff race and lose home ice advantage. So they'd rather just make the move uh, to get Nash today, get him situated early, and then uh, get moved in uh, of in terms of uh, uh, the uh, uh, offensive scheme. So they they're, they just uh, went full steam ahead with making a move uh, to bring in uh, Nash so, anyway, get into some of the caveats. A Spooner is also an unrestricted free agent. So, basically, this is going to be kind of a test run to see what Spooner has to offer. I mean, Spooner's probably going to offer free agency anyway. But, you know, 
at this stage for the Rangers, you're just seeing which bodies can you actually salvage that are going to be productive moving forward and which guys you can move. Because uh, at the end of the day, you may even see Spooner get moved too if the Rangers get uh, someone asking about him too. So Because Spooner uh, has 25 points on the season. He can help help a team uh, regardless. Uh, like I said, I, I'm not entirely certain that the Rangers were looking at him as a long-term piece. It could just be that uh, the Boston was unwilling to move any of their uh, top four prospects. So the Rangers used uh, Spooner to complete the deal and at least to size him up um, moving forward as a possible uh, uh, trading asset for tomorrow's uh, deadline. Because uh, uh, the NHL trading deadline is Monday at 3 p.m. So, again, uh, you know, I, I, I got into this... Uh, as you'll see later on in the podcast with Rangers fans having unrealistic expectations about trades just because it's a buyer's market this year. There are so many teams looking to sell players because even though they're close to the wildcard race, they recognize that they're not a real threat to actually win the Stanley Cup this year. You're not getting the ridiculous trades like you got last year with Martin Hansel getting the first and the second from the wild. I mean, that was a stupid trade, but like, if you're basing teams doing something that stupid, uh, I, I don't know what to tell you. It, it's just not happening. So, uh, getting a first round pick for a rental like Nash, you know what? That's the best the Rangers could hope for at this point. And you got some pieces in return. Bleski's contract is bleh, but uh, you know it is what it is. Uh, he's a body, uh, and he should be able to at least uh, uh, do a couple of things uh, just to keep uh, the younger guys. Uh, uh, from getting banged up. Uh, honestly, I look at Lindgren as another asset on the defensive line because the Rangers have to rebuild that entire decor uh, because uh, McDonough health-wise has never been the same. And, uh, you know, if a team wants to make a move on him and uh, and uh, we can get a decent value for him, I'd, I'd trade McDonough without question. Uh, unfortunately, it just has not been the same guy in the last two years. So, uh, you know, it, it's unfortunate that we're going to have to probably move another Rangers captain, but I just don't see a scenario where uh, this works out for the Rangers where McDonough doesn't get moved and we have to use the stretch provision on stall next season. I, I just think uh, those are things we have to do in order to get this defense into a better spot two years from now because uh, – they're not going to be good next year either, but at least we can give them uh, two years to uh, get this thing turned around. So uh, that's uh, what I've got in terms of the update. So uh, you'll hear the rest of the podcast in its original uh, format uh, coming up shortly. Good morning and welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. Quite a bit of sports to talk about uh, since I've been away the past uh, few days, uh, just staying up late watching the Olympics. So uh, obviously, uh, as you must have heard by now, the U.S. women's uh, ice hockey team pulled off 
an incredible comeback against Canada, beating them in the shootout. I mean, watching that game live, it, it going into the shootout, and it's after 2 a.m., and uh, pins and needles, uh, great hockey game. I, I mean, Rooney kept the U.S. team in it the entire game, just standing on her head. Uh, you know, the, <laughs> the the quality of the play itself, I mean, is what really set that game apart because you could tell the the level of skill involved with all the participants because, uh, like I said before, the amount of skill on the U.S. is apparent. There's no there's no doubt about it. It's just that Canada could skate as well, and they're technically skilled, and they're a more physical team. So that played a huge role because you saw Canada just wallop the, the women's team uh, over and over again uh, just in terms of big hits. I mean, they, they got penalized for it, and they definitely took their fair share of penalties. I know the Canadian media was mad about the refs because of uh, the number of power plays the U.S. team had, but... If you look at it a whole, uh, you know, Canada deserved those penalties, and they should have deserved more because they got away with a direct elbow to the head, which should have been uh, a five-minute major. I I mean, goes uncalled, but, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I I look at this and I say, you know, uh, just a great example of uh, just the Olympics as a whole because, you know, by and large, the Olympics have been built around uh, good-looking blonde women. I mean, let's just call call it for what it is. The, the NBC's Olympics coverage, they built it around Lindsey Vaughn and Michaela Schifrin just because they're attractive. And, you know, they, fi- they figure they get viewers that way. And, you know, what the stories turn out to be is the team sports. Because the individual sports uh, that the U.S. kind of built this around and like having more X game type events. I, I still don't understand some of these sports. I mean, I half pipe skiing. I, I'm, I'm still struggling with uh, some, some of these, uh, uh, contests that they have, uh, uh, in terms of events. I don't discredit the artistic, uh, uh, aspect of it. It's just like, I, I can't, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to be judging. At least with the figure skating, you can kind of tell. It, it's hard to tell what uh, what some of those rotations are supposed to do. I mean, it, it was hard enough to get behind snowboarding, and now we're doing it for skiing. But anyway, I'm, I'm going off track here. But, uh, you know, in terms of just how ridiculous uh, this Olympic cycle has been, you know, the most surprising story came out of curling. Because you have the men's curling team, as I dub Team Super Mario Brothers, because Matt Hamilton's got the porn star stash that, and the red hat that makes him look like Super Mario. Uh, you know, it's like uh, you're looking for a, a guy in a green jumpsuit to t- partner up with him, for crying out loud. But, uh, you know, the U.S. men's curling team was 2-4 and four and on their way out. I, I think I even mentioned it before on the podcast about... Uh, you know, it looks like it wasn't going too well for uh, Team USA and curling because they got knocked out of the mixed doubles curling and uh, uh, it looked like they were going out on the team event. And, you know, they pull off a shock win against Canada and then proceed to win five straight games to win the gold medal, uh, including another win over Canada, uh, which, you know, everyone was stunned by because uh, you see a number of 
just Twitter handles, at least. I, I guess I could uh, appreciate it because uh, on Twitter I'm following a bunch of NHL folks, so they happen to be Canadian, so they're all watching the curling because they, they, they're they're getting told by their friends and neighbors that they're somehow losing to the U.S. team. But, you know, uh, credit to the men's curling team because uh, uh, if you've basically heard the backstory, the men's curling team was not sponsored by the uh, U.S. Uh, Olympic Committee. Shocker that the U.S. Olympic Committee plays favorites, but uh, wasn't sponsored, had to play to win a way in, had to win nationals, had no sponsorship support from the USOC at all. And uh, just because of the fact that uh, the team had struggled uh, just uh, with their captain in the past two Olympic cycles, uh, so much so that they actually benched him uh, last Olympics. Uh, but, uh, you know, he said it, uh, John Schuster said it himself, that he was going to rewrite his own history because he was not going to uh, have history look upon him as a loser. I mean, technically, he already won a bronze medal, so he's, to, to me, you can't really consider yourself a loser if you're, like, going home with a medal in the past, but, you know, I... I guess if you have enough people chirping at you that you're a loser, you, you start hearing uh, uh, hear, hearing the voices of like uh, of doubt. So you want to prove them wrong. But you know, again, uh, this story, just the fact that you know they weren't sponsored, they no one was really had their backs in terms of uh, uh, the USOC, which I'll get into because you know, again, USOC. You know, they can say what they want. It is a corrupt organization from, from the top down, much like the IOC. But, uh, uh, you know, as a whole, uh, the curling story is one of those uh, items that you kind of look at the Olympics and say, you know, anything can happen. Uh, you know, any given, uh, you know, as the saying goes, any given Sunday, uh, you know, you don't know what's going to happen in sports, which is why people love sports it's just that you get random stories and you get results that you're not expecting at times just because people are doing what they uh just try to live up to your potential sometimes and you know sometimes it it doesn't go the right way but you know you get on a hot streak and you know you 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 make history which is what they did so uh, credit to them uh and i'm sure uh just because of the backstory this is ripe for you know maybe I, I, I can't see Hollywood getting excited about a curling story. But, it, you know, maybe you can get a Hallmark uh, TV movie out of this one. So, uh, it is uh, it is something to consider. But, uh, you know, uh, credit to them. Uh, uh, hopefully they get to enjoy the interview circuit and uh, get some uh, commercial endorsements out of it and, you know, make it worth their while. So, anyway, moving on, uh, we're, we're going to get into another story that, you know, I I knew it was brewing for a while, but even so, the level of just outright stupidity by these college programs never ceases to amaze me that they have so much paper trail involved. So uh, what I'm getting at here is the FBI investigation into college basketball. So for years you know, everyone's known that college basketball has been corrupt to its core in terms of recruiting violations. I mean, you, you have different sports movies uh, portraying it. You got Blue Chips. You got He Got Game. 
There are a number of sports movies that talk about how crooked college basketball truly is in terms of the handlers and teams being involved uh, with money changing hands. But, you know, when the story came down in the beginning of the basketball season that the FBI had implicated a number of schools uh, and they were... uh, they looked at Louisville as well, and then the Louisville escort story came out. Louisville fired Rick Pitino, and I think they were trying to get out ahead of it. Uh, Pitino still tried to fight it to clear his name, uh, saying that he had no idea of any wrongdoing and that uh, you know he shouldn't be penalized for the actions of those underneath him, which, again, is uh, screams ducking accountability at every turn. But be that as it may, you know, There were rumors that it was extending far beyond anything that was uh, previously reported, that there was going to be a far-reaching scope impacting a number of programs. So this story begins with uh, former NBA agent Andy Miller and his associate Christian Dawkins. So their agency, ASM Sports, uh, the feds got uh, wind of this and so basically began a months-long investigation of the agency and various schools they were involved in. So uh, this includes uh, looking at uh, bank uh, bank statements, transfers, wiretapping, the works. So they, they've got a ton of evidence. So this uh, uh, this was a span of almost a year, so uh, just about three, uh, 330 days. So they've got over 4,000 phone calls uh Throughout various schools, uh, they've got three criminal cases already filed. So uh, they've already filed with the uh, Southern District of uh, New York State. Uh, they've basically, in terms of the Yahoo investigation, uh, they've found at least 20 Division One programs involved, 25 players. So among uh, the documentation is just spreadsheets balancing out uh Players visited and contacts made, the dinners uh, paid for, flights, uh, just a payment in terms of securing their services. So, uh, I mean, the big name uh, that came across was uh, DeAndre Ayton of Arizona, who apparently was paid over a hundred thousand uh, as a way of securing him for uh, Arizona basketball. But uh, you know, uh, you've got other players involved. Uh, that have gone on to the NBA. So Dennis Smith Jr., uh, he played at uh, North Carolina State. He got a $43.5 million, uh, I mean, hope uh, $43,500 uh, for his services. Uh, according to another documentation, uh, it was uh, $73.5 million in terms of the loans and notes and about... Uh, ways of trying to recoup the money because ultimately Dennis Smith Jr. did not sign with ASM. So get, get out of this. You pay, they, they paid out over 40, 40 grand, uh, up to 73,000 for this guy. And they still didn't get him to sign. He, uh, because, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. signed with, yeah. So he signed with, uh, uh, PSC sports as his agent. Uh, you know, again, think about this. If one group is paying you that much, how much is that other group paying him uh, because of it? And you can't say that, oh, no, it's just about uh, the 
overall dynamic of college basketball uh, because it, you know college basketball at its core has always had issues with just boosters and managing them but now we've gotten to the point where literally we have underground markets set up to use these guys because you're getting multi-million dollar contracts so it's in their best interest to manage these players from the AAU level so there are always people involved so they're and Sonny Vaccaro, the former Nike exec who, uh, you know, started the whole pay-to-play program in its infancy and got uh, uh, jailed for it, uh, basically. But, uh, you know, he he basically said that nothing has changed. So, you know, Vaccaro's got a point. It's just the fact that, you know, it's, it's like the wires, like the game is rigged. Because at the end of the day, you've got... Uh, multiple people in, involved with this uh, who are now in the NBA. you got Markel Fultz uh, uh, involved uh, in some capacity. I mean, the amount of players that got pulled into this, Isaiah Whitehead, who was at Seton Hall, now is on the Nets. I mean, they're, they're, you know, at the end of the day, you've got essentially what amounts to, and this has been an issue with soccer for years. So, you know, there, uh, Kyle Kuzma, uh, PJ Dozier, you know, I, I mean, again, you can start going down uh, the list of the documentation uh, that have been uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, I mean, there's uh, so in terms of current players, Colin Sexton at Alabama, Wendell Carter Jr. at Duke, Kevin Knox at Kentucky. You know, it's just... The list is just keep going on. So, you know, in terms of the documentation, the feds have these, uh, have the numbers. It's it's not a matter of what the, uh, uh, what, what, uh, what, uh, what programs are clean and which ones aren't. The whole system's dirty because you've got Duke involved. You've got North Carolina being investigated. you got Kansas being investigated. you got uh, Maryland being investigated. So all these major programs being investigated, uh, Virginia, Iowa State, Notre Dame, yeah, I mean, it's it's not these small schools anymore. It's You've got the big-time programs. You know what I mean? You're expecting uh, uh, Calipari, Kentucky to be dirty. You're not necessarily expecting it to find anything on Coach K, who's been the Teflon Don. I mean, yeah, you expect to see some smoke around UNC's program. But you're not necessarily uh, expecting to see uh, teams like Maryland caught up in this because, again, it's just not one where, again, you're seeing typical programs that have had issues in the past. Now you're getting new programs. And, of course, the big loser in all this, and I mean I mean that literally because he's definitely going to jail. I'd be shocked if he doesn't. Uh, is you've got FBI wiretaps showing Sean, uh, indicating Sean Miller, the coach of the Arizona Wildcats, discussing a hundred thousand dollar payment to uh, bring in DeAndre Ayton uh, to the school. You know, uh, before Ayton got to uh, signed with the uh, Arizona to become a freshman there. You know, the fact that Miller's on the wiretap discussing payment. 
that that's criminal charges. So, you know, unless you're cutting a deal to like throw everybody else under the bus, you're going to jail. I I, I don't care if it's white collar or not. I mean, this is insane. The fact that you you have an actual this is like the story. This is literally blue chips. <laughs> uh, for those of you who keep hearing me reference the movie, this is like a this was a 1994 movie uh, with Nick Nolte. Uh, playing a burnt-out uh, college basketball coach who uh, goes dirty and brings in Shaq and Penny Hardaway uh, to his team. Uh, you know, again, th- this story just resonates with me just because, you know, y- part of it was like, a, yeah, you knew it was bad, but you didn't really know how bad it's gotten. The fact that you literally have coaches discussing uh, payment arrangements now, this was where Miller got stupid. I mean, you, you don't get caught on uh, caught on the phone having these conversations. But, you know, again, when you I guess you get comfortable enough because Miller's been at Arizona for nine years now. I, I guess you feel like you're untouchable. But I, I, this is – it's it's insane that this is actually – this is something out of a movie where you literally have uh, coaches – operating illegally out, uh, and participating directly in the black market. Usually it would have been just you have an underling being involved. So that's where Patino was hanging his hat on is the fact that uh, they they can uh, they can uh, uh, make a case that uh, they uh, he didn't know what was going on. But the fact that, you know, Sean, uh, Sean Miller was caught in deliberately uh, uh, talking uh, payment arrangements uh, for Aiden. I mean, again, this story is not going away anytime soon because, like I said, this is jail time we're talking about now in terms of uh, impact. So it's it's crazy because uh, you have Aiden playing the game last night and the Oregon crowd is going after him uh, with chance of where's the money and 100,000. I, I mean, you know, they were going on and on the entire game. Aiden had a monster game because he was feeding off of the negativity of the ground and getting pissed off. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's, uh, you know, you could say innocent until proven guilty, but when the feds have all the financial documentation detailing the meeting times, the dates, the money involved, they have the wiretap uh, on the coach. I mean, what are you going to argue about? And so if they have the info on Arizona and they're saying, and the, the Yahoo investigation revealed that they've got information on these other schools, these other schools have got to be guilty of something. So I don't know how the hell the NCAA is going to put together a tournament this year where these teams are not going to have a cloud of suspicion over them on Okay, is this uh, title going to get repealed? Because Louisville just had their 2013 uh, 2013-2014 title vacated on the grounds of the escort scandal. So uh, the get famous game where Kevin Ware breaks his leg, uh, you know, that title has now been wiped off the official record books for the NCAA. Uh, you know, it doesn't ch- take away from the memories that I have of that game and how horrific that injury was. But now they're saying that uh, Louisville, officially in the record books, did not win that title. Uh, you know, of course, the Cardinals fans rallied around on Twitter saying that 
they uh, the the establishment can't take away this away from us. It, I I mean it's it's kind of hard to uh, feign that you're you're being victimized when again you were paying for prostitutes for players. So I mean, you know, you, you can you can argue that it wasn't uh, uh, trying to incentivize players to come play for your school, but you know, uh, I'm not sure how many other <laughs> destinations that had that much of an elaborate scheme. But you know, guess what? Based off of this FBI investigation, maybe Louisville has a point that everybody was doing something similar to what they were doing. It's just they happened to get caught first, and now they're they they pay they pay the price. But I mean, this is this is a story where you know, I, even as I'm talking about it, it it's gonna have long term consequences. Uh, I don't know how much in terms of the rule book uh, the NCAA is gonna try to do to clamp down on it, but. To me, it's becoming far more uh, obvious that the way this has to go uh, in terms of of the NCAA and how uh, the rules get handled is the fact that, uh, you know, players need to have endorsement deals for football and basketball. There's no getting, getting around at this point. There are too many people involved, too many hands involved. For this uh, process where players are not getting compensated directly. I, I think, you know, we've reached that point where, you know what, they can claim that it's going to violate the spirit of the amateur laws, but to me that's been tainted a long, long time ago in terms of uh, what's been going on. The I mean, in, ter- in terms of... Just the corruption in the sport. I mean, there's always a corruption story in college basketball but and football. But, you know, at this stage, we've gotten to the point where you might as well just start marketing these teams and getting the players to cut because uh, if you at least incentivize them uh, that they're getting some money, it likes, makes it uh, harder for them to, uh, uh, to get completely under the thumb of someone who can kind of uh, manage them and give them money under the table. And at least uh, say uh, give them support until they sign that NBA contract because at this stage, you know it's just blatantly obvious that you know in other sports you don't have this level of interest because there's not getting the multi-million dollar contract, so the financial incentive is not there. Uh, you know, outside of soccer, but no legitimate soccer prospect is ever going through the NCAA for uh, soccer training. I mean, that's a joke. So. Uh, again, it happens in other sports, but you know, other leagues and countries don't pretend to have uh, the pretense of amateur athletes the way America does. So, you know, the NCAA wants to get serious about amateurism. You've got to figure out a way of getting some type of uh, compensation or stipend to the athletes through marketing, because again. By not having it, it's just caused this underground marketplace to explode over the years. And now it's so firmly entrenched that every school that's legitimate has been touched by it. And they can claim all they want about how they're going to investigate thoroughly as to what's going on. You know, pretty soon everyone's going to have a a poke to the eye. So, uh, you know, at that point, everyone goes blind. So, uh, you know, maybe that's the way the NCAA wants it. It's like they'll keep slapping teams on the wrist. And just keep uh, collecting fines, but you know, if everyone has been fined by the NCAA, then you know it kind of defeats the purpose of having a regulatory body. So, uh, 
you know, at the end of the day, uh, the status quo ain't going to work. <laughs> the, the feds aren't even going to allow it. The fact that they, they sense that there was enough money being involved that they needed to get themselves involved in, in this from the outset to do a year-long investigation. Yeah, there are multiple heads that are going to be rolling as part of this criminal investigation. So more more to come, obviously, on that. But, uh, you know, it, it it is what it is. All right, so uh, going to get into another piece of uh, news that uh, came across. So in terms of, and I'm going to talk about the Olympics uh, in a little bit, uh, just because uh, last night, well, this morning rather, because the game didn't end until over uh, 2 a.m. So the curling uh, the night before Friday didn't end until about after 4 a.m. Uh, and then last night, the uh, Olympic hockey went past 2 a.m. So, it's been some late nights. But um, in terms of uh, what's been uh, going on, uh, you know, I've been hearing a lot of chatter from Rangers fans. And I felt the need to get into this because I, I was one of the early people thumping the drums for the Rangers to start trading everyone. And now people have caught on and joined the bandwagon. But I need to set the record straight on a few things. The long and short of it is that we have years had a terrible GM in Glenn Sather. And gave up way too much in terms of picks and top prospects for our trades. So we have an unrealistic expectation of what uh, should be done by Gorton as the new GM for the Rangers. So when I hear people calling for Gorton's job because he only got a second-round pick for Michael Grabner, you know, I I get more than annoyed because Gorton got a deal done with the Devils, which never happens. It's the first ever trade between the Yankees and Devils. So that should tell you from the uh, outset that uh, the, uh, the overall... Uh, dynamic here is the fact that uh, you know you're not seeing uh, a lot of movement on some of these forwards because of the fact that teams are not offering that much because there are so many guys available that can make uh, an impact. So you got uh, Vander Kane up in uh, Buffalo. Uh, you got Mark Letestu in uh, Edmonton. You've you've got Broussard in Ottawa, and uh, you know. Uh, Ottawa uh, just dealt Broussard to, uh, uh, just dealt uh, Broussard to the Pens last night. So, you know, again, it's one of those situations where there's still a ton of supply. So, you know, yeah, there's demand, but you've got a lot of uh, moving parts that could still go. So, uh, even with that, uh, you know, Rick Nash is going to get moved, and he's going to get moved for a first-round pick. I'd be shocked if he doesn't go for a first-round pick, but if he doesn't go for a first-round pick, that means we're getting a top prospect. It's like the Rangers fans have to get one thing clear. The Rangers are getting either a top pick or they're getting a, 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 or a prospect. They're not getting both. The days of us doing uh, where we would deal uh, top picks and a prospect you know, teams are not that stupid. All right? So, 
the Keith Yandel trade where we gave up a first, a second, and Anthony Duclair was a stupid trade. But, you know, as it stands, it kind of served as a reference for other teams not to do what the Rangers did because it hamstrung us without being able to get a, a, a nice young forward that could actually plug into the lineup and help us in tight spots where we actually face injury concerns like we did this year. That's what what happened when you don't have top draft picks uh, to actually reload your roster out in the AHL immediately because they didn't want to play Chittle and they didn't want to risk Anderson. So we ended up suffering through this season because we didn't actually have enough players left over. I mean, that's the long and short of it, uh, to be frank. Uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a testament to how poorly managed the long-term strategy was for the Rangers. And now Gorton is left cleaning up Sailor's mess, but he's getting blamed by the fan base because uh, uh, they think that because we made dumb trades that everyone else is going to as well. It, it doesn't work that way. So, you know, again, I I, I want to say this with all, with, all, with all kindness to Rangers fans. Get over yourselves. Honestly, uh, you know, the team is at least making the right moves now. They haven't been for a long time. So I'm willing to give them benefit of doubt here because I, I actually do believe Gorton in his attempts of making the team better. Uh, he's just hamstrung by a lousy boss and say there, but you know, he is trying to do the right thing. It's just the fact that he's in a tough spot because there are still a number of players that can help teams. So you got Max Pacioretty, uh, of the Canadians who can move at any time, and he's got extra uh, years on his contract. So that's actually more advantageous than uh, a Rick Nash. Uh, Pacioretty could move. You got Mike Hoffman on the centers. He can move. Ottawa needs to do a complete rebuild uh, because, again, I was shocked that Ottawa even ma- uh, made it to the conference finals last year. But, you know, given how poorly we played, we deserved to lose that series. But, you know, Ottawa needs to do a complete rebuild. And uh, uh, Eric Carlson uh, is uh, uh, on the moving block. But that he's probably going to wait until summer. Even though he's a defenseman, he counts as an offensive player because he's that much of a plus offensive uh, defenseman. That, that That's where his value is, is that you're looking at his offense. But again, there are so many options available on the offensive side of the puck. Not a lot of defensive options. So, again, the Rangers can try to set the price on Ryan McDonough because the asking price on Carlson is going to be monumental that I can't see too many teams willing to bite the bullet on Carlson in the middle of the season and giving up everything. I can see Carlson moving in the summer when you can at least make sure you have everything shored up properly and go through the draft. But I think uh, Ryan McDonough could move here just because it could benefit the Rangers uh, long-term uh, by uh, positioning uh, this in a way where we can get a top pick and maybe a prospect for uh, uh, McDonough. So you, you get, or like a couple of high uh, high draft picks. Maybe you get a first and a second uh, for McDonough. Maybe like a, a back-tier uh, prospect that has a potential. But again, you know, I don't see the Yandel-type traits of years past happening with other teams because even last year you had 
Minnesota making a dumb trade for Martin Hansel, giving up a first and second, and they went nowhere. So I think teams are catching on uh, to some of the uh, dumb moves that have been made. The team that I've been looking at that I was hoping was going to make a dumb move, and technically Vegas did make their first dumb move, uh, was uh, doing the three-team trade where the Pens got Broussard, uh, Ottawa got a cap space relief for Broussard's contract. Vegas took on Broussard's cap space and also acquired uh, Ryan Reeves from uh, Pittsburgh. Now, the thought process, and I get Vegas' thought process, is the fact that uh, they got a bunch of skilled players, they got nobody who's physical and can fight, so they brought in Reeves just to shake up the dynamic where they can't have all these uh, bottom-scrubbing teams beating the crap out of their players towards the end of the season uh, because they know that they're not going anywhere and they can uh, take some shots on some uh, high-quality talent. So Vegas is trying to protect themselves that way from incurring unnecessary injury by bringing a guy like Reeves who's going to uh, basically beat the crap out of people and uh, deliver some hard checks if he feels things are going uh, out of line. But, you know, again eating Broussard's cap space and helping out the Penguins doesn't make it a a deal where I feel particularly happy about. But I get why Vegas did it. Uh, Otto, meanwhile, they were looking to shed uh, payroll anyway. So uh, dealing Broussard and getting uh, uh, a prospect in return, I'm not surprised by that in the slightest. So they got to shed payroll and get a prospect. So that's a win-win for them. Uh, And Pittsburgh got the best player in the deal. So... Yeah, you won the trade uh, in Broussard because Broussard can fill in on that second line as a center and the third line as a center and can do a number of items that can help uh, bolster Pittsburgh. So if they feel the need to play Crosby, Crosby and Malkin together, you have the flexibility to do that because Broussard is good enough to lead your second line as a centerman. Uh, but you can easily slide him into the third line and uh, he'll fit in just fine there and do all the little dirty work and get the uh, well-timed uh, well-timed goals uh, as needed. So, again, that's a really nice pickup for the Penguins. It annoys me, though, but it's a good pickup. But, yeah, it, you know, when you sit down and look at it, there's a ton of value in terms of offensive players. So, yeah, the Rangers are having a tough time getting maximum value. But... At the same time, I, I think uh, you still have trading partners like uh, uh, the Bruins have a possibility there. Uh, you know, you, you're looking at Vegas. You're, you're looking at even Winnipeg. Although, I, I think Winnipeg would definitely be on Nash's no trade list uh, because Winnipeg is freezing cold. And even though Nash is Canadian, I don't think he wants to actually live in Winnipeg. So uh, I think Winnipeg's on his uh, no-trade list, if I'm not mistaken from last I checked. But, uh, you know, there are teams that are going to be involved in the playoffs this year that you absolutely were not expecting. I mean, you weren't really expecting Boston to have the renaissance that they did. You're you're not looking at a team like uh, Winnipeg. You certainly weren't looking at uh, Vegas. So, again, we're seeing different teams that – you're not necessarily uh, used to seeing uh, the Devils and Islanders are in it. Now, the team, a team like the Islanders is interesting because, you know, they just gave Josh Bailey a uh, six-year, $30 million extension, and I'm 
trying to figure out what uh, what the Owls are trying to do here because you know it, it is very <laughs> very interesting what the uh, Isles are trying to do because they're, they're, they're trying to uh, build this team up so that uh, Tavares doesn't leave them in the lurch but I don't see what <laughs> what they have to offer to Tavares when they can't get the stadium situation sorted out so I, I still think Tavares hits free agency so I don't know what the Isles are trying to do but you know even with uh, try to build a battle on Tavares, you're looking at a playoff run where you're trying to go through uh, Pittsburgh and Washington. I don't think the Owls are good enough. I mean, I think the Owls are dumb enough to make a trade to try to be buyers in here, but honestly, they should be trying to move Tavares. Uh, But, you know, there's been no talk of any movement by uh, the Owls trying to move Tavares, so I think they're going to try to play this out and figure out a way of uh, boosting that roster with another addition, which again I don't get. But if I can manipulate the Isles into uh, trading for a guy like Nash, sure. I mean, it, anything's possible. It's just uh, you know, or even trading McDonough to the Isles. Yeah, would it be an awkward uh, deal because you'd see him all the time. Yeah, but you know, at the end of the day. You got to do what works best for you. And so if a team like the Owls wants to go for it, even though they really shouldn't, uh, by all means, let them. So moving on, uh, you know, like I said, because of the amount of uh, teams that are looking to sell, you're, you're, you're going to have to look at uh, the situation as Jeff Gordon is doing a tough thing to do of uh, rebuilding a team that had a decade of winning with the Rangers. This has been one of the most uh, positive periods in Rangers history. Even though we didn't win the cup, if you look at the bulk of it, we've never had this level of sustained credibility in the league ever in the history of the Rangers. Uh, even with after 90 plus years, we've never had a decade plus of stability of consistently winning even though we, we didn't win the Cup uh, in this uh, regime. So, uh, Gordon is in a tight spot, but, you know, the amount of abuse he's getting from fans, uh, I, I just look at it as completely unfair uh, why he's been picked on the way that he has been because it's, it, it's, uh, it's not fair to him that his boss is the one who put him in this bad spot to begin with. This, the fact of the matter is is that most of the Rangers have uh, the non-movement clauses that say they're negotiated. So that is what's restricting some of these trades. So for all the Rangers fans, again, complaining about why we're not getting the value is that we probably could have gotten more value with certain uh, trades if not for the fact that, uh, you know, say they're negotiated bad deals and now... Uh, the teams that we could have squeezed for more assets, namely Winnipeg, we can't do because, again, nobody wants to go to Winnipeg. But, you know, I look at a guy like Nash, he's going to move. It's just a matter of where he ends up. Uh, you know, probably it'll be Boston at this stage because, you know, 
it doesn't sound like uh, there's a, there's anyone else remotely close in terms of putting pressure on the Rangers to make a move. Uh, Bergeron also got uh, hurt last night, uh, so uh, that might give some impetus, or it could cause Boston to cool off, and that might have the Rangers reevaluate uh, their uh, the pro- uh, the trading partners that are going to go down. But uh, you know, in terms of uh, other guys that are going to be moving soon that are going to kind of clog things up. Uh, you have Thomas Placanek uh, set to leave the uh, Montreal Canadiens after 12 years of service. So he's going to be uh, bottom six, uh, uh, six uh, forward. But, uh, you know, he, he has, he definitely has value uh, that, uh, you know, uh, that uh, can be uh, can be put up, uh, can be put to use at a number of playoff teams. So uh, it should be interesting uh, what uh, what uh, what happens. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, in terms of like huge deals, you know, it's probably Rick Nash is probably going to be the big name. I don't see, I really don't see um, where uh, Carlson moves to unless Tampa just throws out a ridiculous number. And my hope is no, they don't. Because, uh, you know, ideally I see McDonough going to Tampa and, you know, joining up with uh, doing what, you know, most ex-Rangers do is just go to Tampa. So, I see that as a, a likely spot if we can get something done for McDonough is if a Carlson deal falls through between Ottawa and Tampa, Tampa goes to the next best option, which is McDonough, and shores ch- uh, up their uh, defenseman that way. So uh, here's to hoping that Ottawa does not get what they want in terms of trade value and that it benefits the Rangers. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm just saying, you know... With the amount of players that could get moved, uh, you're looking at Artem Anisimov. I mean, even the Blackhawks are probably going to be trading away players. Uh, You know, again, I I get annoyed because it sounds as though Rangers fans are looking at all the dumb trades we've made over the years with Sater and projecting that as to what the market is this season. And, you know, again... We have, well, had, now he's still overseeing things, but Sater was a terrible GM. There's no getting around it. So he set the bar for bad trades, and other teams have now figured out ways of not making those bad trades. So uh, it's just one of those where we just have to take our lumps. We're not going to get the value that other teams have gotten out of us over the years. So... Uh, get off Gorton's back. Yeah, he's in a tough spot. I, I've, you know, he could prove me wrong and then screw up a Nash trade. But uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm gonna put in the confidence that he's getting a first round pick or at least a top, uh, top prospect uh, or two and a couple other back end draft picks. But you know, you're not gonna get the double up of top draft pick and a top prospect. It's just not the way the league's been operating. Uh, the last uh, 
year or so, even in the off season. So uh, I I think it's uh, going to be asking way too much. So anyway, going to be moving on. Uh, going to talk a little bit about the NFL. I'll I'll have to get into my baseball rankings a bit later today at some point in the afternoon. Uh, oh, and Tottenham just scored. Uh, so. Uh, you've got uh, Harry Kane uh, with another goal. Tottenham is it's probably going to beat Crystal Palace now. Uh, so you know, there's that for your Premier League update as it <laughs> as it happens real time. Uh, I didn't really see the exact cause of the setup of of uh, how uh, that whole uh, play transpired, but uh, you know. Anyway. Uh, it looks like an assist from uh, Christian Eriksson uh, uh, set that up. But anyway, um, uh, getting back to uh, football. So we had a number of developments here uh, the last couple of days. Uh, you know, Blake Bortles, I mean, I don't understand what Jacksonville's doing. Uh, you know, <laughs> the... It, 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 it comes across, and you know, uh, I, I, you know, it's it literally is making me ill just having to say this. But Blake Bortles, one of the worst quarterbacks that you will ever see in the past three years, got a contract extension from Tom Coughlin of all people. I, I, I don't understand how the Jacksonville Jaguars could actually be honest with themselves and say that they can win a title with Blake Bortles by giving him a three-year contract extension for uh, $54 million with $66 million in uh, incentives. It's $26.5 million guaranteed. This is idi- This is the break of it, I- idiot. I-, I-, I mean, I, I am... I am just flabbergasted. Bortles was set to make 20 mil this year. So, yeah, you could make the case that, yeah, they extended him with a contract to do another prove-it year. Except this year was the prove-it year. And he didn't prove anything. He just proved exactly what we thought he was. A mediocre quarterback who can run because he's big and athletic. He can't throw the football. He has no touch. He doesn't read coverage as well. I, I just don't understand this. With the amount of uh, players still left to go, unless the uh, the plan was to go after a guy like Alex Smith and, you, you know, Washington beat you to the punch, this doesn't even make any sense of why the hell Blake Bortles would even get this contract extension. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably bring on Cam... Uh, Later today to talk about it, just because it's early morning. I just, I, I look at this, it's just absurd. He le- he leads the league in tip passes because he can't throw over the line of scrimmage. There's just, it's, it's just utterly ridiculous. And I, for one, cannot wait to fade the Jags unquestionably throughout the year unquestionably. I, I mean, the Jags fans can get pissy all they want. I can't wait to fade this team with a tougher schedule next season. 
Because as good as that defense is, with the tougher schedule in the AFC, yeah, the AFC South sucks. It sucks without question. But that out uh, that uh, conference schedule, out of conference schedule, is going to be brutal next season for the Jags. They will fe- the NFL finds ways of neutralizing you, and I can't wait for the multiple interception games that will come down. Uh, because yes, even though they were uh, building a run first offense, teams are going to game plan around the simplistic offense uh, that the Jags ran to overcompensate uh, for uh, Blake's deficiencies as a quarterback. So, yeah, I am fading the Jags heavily next season because I-, I can't believe that they even thought about giving him a contract extension. That was the furthest thing from my mind when I was evaluating where the quarterback's um, uh, quarterback move in, in the offseason being. Uh, again, did not even see this as a possibility. Just because of how ridiculous a premise this is. You're telling me that Blake Bortles is good enough to win you a Super Bowl. You've got to be kidding me. There's not even a a doubt in my mind that you can figure out ways of uh, beating beating Blake Bortles as a QB. Jags defense is great. No getting around that. they've They've got pieces around them that they'll be great next year too, barring injury. But yeah, you give teams a full NFL offseason to figure out that Jags offense, which was simplistic to begin with. But they run out of uh, they run out of formations that uh, you know they 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 use uh, uh, they use uh, two wide receivers, two tight ends, and they run out of that formation. They use a, a twelve formation. But you can figure that out. I mean, again, this is not that hard. So. They can try to game plan around Blake Bortles all they want. Teams are going to shut that down quick. Uh, with a full offseason, yeah, this is not going to end well. Uh, so we'll see if the Jacks try to bring in a competent uh, backup QB. Uh, because, uh, again, uh, Chad Henney trying to back up Blake Bortles, you're just, you're just not even trying at this point. So uh, we'll, we'll see what... Uh, transpires uh, in the offseason of the Jags draft a QB as well to give themselves an insurance policy. But man, oh man, uh, I saw that story last night. I was dying laughing uh, because uh, to me, that's just, you're asking me to take money if uh, a betting against the Jags this year because I look at that, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking that bet all day long next year of fading the Jags because, again, uh, if this was where gambling's legal, of course, but all things, uh, all things being equal, yeah, I'm I'm going against the Jags every chance I get. Uh, just uh, as I said, the defense is great, but I think there are more than enough ways of teams with a full offseason to prepare to shut down that offense and Leonard Fournette uh, with uh, Boral's just a QB. So uh, there was my piece on uh, the Jags movement. Uh, the Chiefs also made an interesting move. In trading Marcus Peters now, uh, given the uh, deal uh, that they made with Washington for Alex Smith, I knew this was a possibility. Given the fact that uh, the Chiefs picked up Kendall Fuller in the trade, which at the time I remarked was a dumb tra- uh, trade uh, chip to throw in by Washington, because Fuller could start in the NFL at any level, so it gave the Chiefs some flexibility if they wanted to move on from Peters and get some uh, prospects uh, 
draft picks in return uh, for a move. Now, that's that's essentially what the Chiefs have done here to kind of reset the uh, the clock to do a little mini rebuild around Patrick Mahomes and uh, getting uh, some more draft picks. But you know, the backstory that I've been hearing lately on it is that the the folks is that the people are still saying that the Chiefs could still contend, but you know, you don't trade a top player like Peters that's still under contract when you could have just paired him with Fuller. There was other things that had to be behind the works here, and what people are reporting is the fact that in addition to the uh, acts of defiance on and off uh, uh, the uh, field with Peters, uh, just from throwing the flag in the stands against the Jets, uh, blowing up, uh, is the fact that Peters was insistent uh, that he would not stop kneeling for the national anthem uh, at the, uh, even though he was talked to about it by Chiefs management, you know, at the time they stated that uh, uh, they had worked things out and that they were on the same page. Now, the fact that he's been moved when, by all accounts, you know, it's a strange time to tr- uh, try to move him. So uh, he gets traded from the Chiefs to the Rams. But the details of the trade can't be fully determined yet because uh, uh, March 14th hasn't happened yet. So, again, this is my stance. Why would you move him this early before the trade can even be fully announced? So it just leads to more speculation because you don't know uh, what the official uh, compensation is. So we're all left to conjecture. But the fact that this got out this early means that the Chiefs wanted to jettison him as soon as possible. Now... Uh, some of the reports that are coming out is the fact that even though Peters did have a good game against the Titans, uh, uh, Peters was uh, none too pleased to hear on social media and in uh, the parking lot of uh, 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 Arrowhead uh, Stadium that fans were criticizing his play as the reason why they lost to the Titans. Not the fact that Andy Reid's play calling was abysmal, Alex Smith, Missed a number of open throws. Travis Kelsey got hurt. There are a number of reasons why, uh, you know, uh, the Chiefs did not play well. Tyreek Hill was a ghost as a number one wide receiver. Uh, The the Chiefs had a number of issues in that game. Uh, Marcus Peters being one of the least among them. Uh, But uh, Peters was none too happy about how he was treated. He even voiced it on social media. Uh, The reports coming in from uh, uh, different outlets saying that Peters demanded to trade from Kansas City because of he didn't like the environment, which uh, seemed, to, uh, seemed to be the case of he didn't mesh well because of being a black man. He was feeling more treated as the source of abuse by his own fan base rather than being appreciated for his talents. Uh, you know, who knows what the true extent of the story is, but, uh, you know, the undercurrent of the fact that he was proponent of uh, kneeling and protesting the national anthem and that management was not necessarily on board with it leads me to believe that uh, there was a communication on both sides that they were not happy with the current situation, which is what expedited this trade uh, out of Kansas City. Because, again... Uh, 
free agency doesn't begin until March 14th, so they can't actually confirm anything. You know, same thing with the Cousins trade, but uh, the fact that uh, Peters was moved leads me to think that uh, this uh, this was more of because you know, uh, at least in the case of uh, what was going on with Alex Smith, it, you know, again, uh, that was a move that uh, uh, Washington was trying to get in under the radar before other teams were making moves on quarterbacks. So that one at least made sense. The Peters move seems to be more of a player in the team just agreeing to disagree and moving on from each other. So, uh, interesting dynamic there. Uh, I already talked about the nonsensical Blake Bortles news. I, I still can't get over that one. Uh, it's going to take me a while to get over that one. I'm, I'm not sure if I actually will, just because, again, I can't wait to, fa- uh, to fade uh, the Jags next season because it's going to be uh, very, very tempting to do so in every game uh, next season, uh, provided that it doesn't involve the Colts, because I still have my reservations about Andrew Luck at this point, because even he doesn't know how healthy his shoulder is, and if he doesn't know, then you have reason to be concerned about how the Colts performed uh, this surgery on Andrew's shoulder, because... Uh, uh, he already said that he's not going under the knife again for the shoulder. So uh, who knows how much damage has already been done and uh, how long the recovery process is going to be. So in terms of uh, further development in the NFL, uh, you've got uh, some uh, ca- cases here where you're going to have a, a bit more in terms of uh, – movement uh coming up in the next uh two weeks uh but you know again uh the Blake Bortles news definitely changes things uh from uh, a quarterback dynamic because uh I thought uh, it was going to be a uh, potential uh for movement from uh the Jags of getting involved in the Kirk Cousins uh, sweepstake so we'll see uh what happens next now, another issue that I came across last night, because uh, I was kind of caught up with watching the uh, Olympic men's ice hockey final, so I got a bit of a wind of this story, but I never got to see the full details because I missed the point in the game where this happened. So, uh, the uh, Warriors and uh, Oklahoma City Thunder were playing last night in Golden State, uh, and... Uh, during the game, uh, the Warriors went on a massive run to blow out o- Oklahoma City. But there were a couple of instances where, you know, things got a little bit uh, uh, out of hand. So, uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony is looking old and calcifying by the minute. So he's not moving around uh, the way that he was. And Knicks fans, you know, finally caught on to this like about three years too late. But, you know... I was saying this for years the, about Melo's declining game and that we needed to move on sooner and that Phil, uh, Phil, and I think, I still think at the end of the day, he did it at the behest of Dolan, but, you know, Phil needed to show some balls and, like, not give Melo that contract extension because Melo is just living off of that uh, contract he's on right now and he is not even close to being uh 
worth uh, half of what he's being paid, let alone the full uh, six grand less than the full max that he's always touting about how he didn't take the full money. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, Mello can barely drive to the hoop anymore. He's not hitting his jump shots. He was, uh, I believe he was 6 of 17 from the field. Uh, then he uh, he gets a, a block from Draymond. Draymond's follow-through hits him in the head. Uh, Melo gets mad and starts barking at Draymond, uh, thinking that it's a flagrant foul. I, I, I mean, if you look at that replay, you, I, you, could, you t- maybe you could be a better judge. I've watched that at least 20 times. I don't know what the hell Melo's complaining about. It's a follow-through. Okay, he hits you in the head. That's not a flagrant foul. Suck it up. Uh, so there was Mello, but then there was the actual flagrant foul that happened in this game, and I don't know how the referees missed this. Zajza Pachulia, you know, it's such a dirty player. Uh, I mean, uh, Russell Westbrook gets ta- uh, tangled up with Swaggy P, who was actually playing defense, shockingly, uh, but not surprisingly, uh, Zaza Pachulia, being a, a, the dirtbag that he is, uh, tries to injure Russell Westbrook by, you know, feigning that he lost his balance and fell over the two. Uh, so basically, uh, Swaggy P's underneath uh, 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 Zaza. Uh, rest, Westbrook was already down on the ground. Zaza proceeds to pretend to fall over Swaggy P and land directly on Russell Westbrook's leg uh, with his knee exposed. I, I mean, it's so blatantly obvious Zaza was trying to hurt Westbrook there. It's not even funny. I, I mean, if Zaza does not get a suspension from the league, then someone needs to look at uh, Adam Silver with a hard look as to how he's treating certain players. Because you can tee up Kevin Durant and uh, Draymond Green all you want. If you're not going to get cheap shots out of the game, then why even bother uh, having rules being enforced? Because you're supposed to protect the sanctity of the players. Now... Kyrie Irving spoke about it. Russell Westbrook was annoyed with the media after the game because, you know, Russ has, you know, and I'm not the biggest Russell Westbrook supporter, uh, if if you guys could tell by now. I I think there's still issues of Russell's game that, uh, you know, even though he's gotten far, far better at it over the years, uh, that he could still improve upon. But, you know, Russ has a point, and he speaks his mind, and I always give him credit for that, you know. If you look at the replay, you know Zaza is trying to hurt him. So why are you asking him a dumb question like that? I agree with Russ. The media members should be uh, better at that. They're like, Russ, what do you think about uh, the play Zaza did? It was like, come on. You know what he thinks about it. The guy tried to hurt me. Uh, you know. So when you ask him a question of, do you think Zaza is a dirty player? Yeah, I think he's a dirty player. Uh, because he is a dirty player. He's gotten guys injured. Repeatedly, he's the guy who got it. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, Kawhi Leonard, for all intents and purposes, was dominating Golden State in Game One uh, two years ago. Uh, got uh, stuck his foot out and got Kawhi hurt. Uh, the Spurs, uh, uh, by all accounts, uh, were dominating that game with Kawhi Leonard because the Warriors had no answer for him. And uh, guess what? They, you know, uh, with uh, with that injury. Uh, the Spurs were not nearly the factor they were in that series that they could have been. You know, you can make all the excuses you want, but Zaza Pachulia is a dirty player. 
he should be suspended for a number of games. And he probably won't be. You may only get like two games. But given his history, it should be like ten. Because it's utterly ridiculous that an NBA player would go out of his way to hurt another NBA player. He didn't succeed, but he tried to. And uh, anyone can try to dispute that, uh, you know, needs to get looked at seriously. Because, I mean, that was just inexcusable. And so, I fully support uh, uh, Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving's attempts to get uh, Pachulia suspended. Because uh, you can't have that in the league. Uh, I mean, guys going after guys, uh, try to get them hurt. I mean, that there's there's no, no way you can build a, a league around that when it's like, Enforcers can be enforcers, but you don't go out of your way to try to hurt a guy, especially at the knee. I mean, come on. It's like, uh, that's your livelihood right there. If he blows out his knee because he lands on it, well, what, what, what are you supposed to do there? I mean, it just annoys me to no end. No, now moving on uh, in the NBA, it looks like Jimmy Butler, uh, after sitting out for the All-Star game, rest up. And getting into a tit-for-tat with Lou Williams. Looks like he may have got picked up another injury uh, to his knee this time. Uh, so, uh, no official word yet. But they're thinking that it may be uh, may require some surgery on it. So, no, no official word yet. But, uh, you know, any significant time missed by Jimmy Butler would be disastrous for the Warriors. I, I mean, uh, the uh, T-Wolves, rather. I said Warriors. I'm uh, still... I'm still heat over Zaza. That, that was ridiculous. But uh, any time missed by Butler, uh, you know, that's a big deal. Because, I mean, again, the uh, Timberwolves should make the playoffs. But uh, if they can't uh, maintain uh, playoff form with Butler, they're going to slide down the rankings. And that puts you directly in a matchup with the Warriors or the Rockets. And, that's a that's a short and quick series. Uh, I mean, other matchups you got a, a far better shot of uh, contending it. So uh, you know you hope that Jimmy Butler can come back uh, at a, a decent clip. But uh, you know, depending on the severity of the injury, uh, that that can definitely cause uh, some consternation. Because right now the the uh, the T Wolves are third in the West. Uh, uh, just ahead of the Spurs and uh, Portland. So, you know, again, they can slide down the rankings. Uh, but, you know, when you have, because, uh, again, between the Rockets and Warriors, everyone else is 10-plus games behind. So the West is basically a two-horse race, and everyone else is packed in tight. So, uh, you know, if I'm looking at this, uh, uh, the way I'm seeing it is like, uh, there's only three and a half games separating uh, third place from being out of the playoffs because uh, you got uh, the Clippers and the Jazz uh, on the outside looking in. But if you look at uh, in terms of uh, win loss ratio, it's only four. Uh, it's only a difference of of uh, three games in the loss column between uh, uh, Minnesota and uh, the Jazz. So. Utah has a chance to make some ground. Uh, the Clippers, you know, even even though they're been kind of waving the white flag, they still have a chance of getting the picture. Uh, but again, 
just a number of teams that are tightly packed in the West that any significant time missed by Butler, that's going to cause a lot of issues for uh, the T-Wolves. So they'll make the playoffs, but, you know, again, if you slide down to the 7th or 8th seed, because right now that's where the Thunder are at along with the Pelicans, uh, you're putting yourself in a matchup against the Rockets or the Warriors, and I don't see that working out well because uh, Minnesota is not a good road team. So uh, they need to have home court advantage if they're going to move on in the playoffs. Uh, so, uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Uh, you still have the talk of, uh, the Spurs with Kawhi Leonard possibly not coming back the rest of the season. So the West is still up in flux in terms of, uh, of the seating uh, positions because, uh, San Antonio has been hanging in there, you know, without Kawhi Leonard for basically the entirety of the season because Kawhi only played nine games this year. So again, this is one of those where. You kind of look at it and you're saying to yourself, uh, I know it's a two-horse race between the, uh, the Rockets and the Warriors. It's just a matter of who are these teams going to be beating up on come playoff time. And uh, today, I still have no idea how that's going to shape out. All right, so coming up uh, in a few minutes, uh, you're going to have uh, Manchester United and Chelsea playing. Uh that should be an interesting grudge match just because of how much Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte, the two managers of the club, so Mourinho with United and uh, Conte with Chelsea, hate each other's guts uh, with a passion. Uh, I mean, uh, they've called each other everything from a liar to a coward to, uh, I mean, again, uh, going to be interesting to see how those two interact with each other because, uh, uh, you know, they'll probably do, at most, they'll do the uh, handshake and immediately walk off uh, type of thing where it's the the, the, the the limp handshake and walking off in the same breath uh, type of uh, handshake. Uh, but, uh, yeah, these guys hate each other's guts. Uh, should be an interesting matchup because Chelsea has just been on such a poor run of form lately that I don't know what Chelsea team is going to show up. Uh, against old and against uh, United at Old Trafford, uh, I think Man U can win this game. I just don't think it'll be that pretty. Uh, so, in terms of, I had uh, this uh, game going as a draw, one-one uh, draw. Uh, it looks like, uh, yeah, the Spurs result is final. So Spurs are currently in the top four. Uh, Chelsea is now outside the top four. Chelsea needs a win to uh, leapfrog back over Spurs. Uh, I just don't see it happening today uh, unless Chelsea reverses trend. But, I, I, you know, they've been in a tailspin, so I don't see where that's happening uh, immediately. So I look at it as a draw. Uh, loss by Chelsea would be devastating just because it would put uh, Tottenham two, uh, two points above them. And the title race, and you know, once you start getting uh, this late in the season, where you got about ten games left, any deficit that's over three points, uh, three points or more, you're you're in a tight spot. Uh, so Chelsea, it, it's not the end of the world, but two points down with ten games to go, uh, you're now needing some help uh, uh, with the results fixtures uh, to go uh, to have things go your way. Uh, I mean. Arsenal, meanwhile, they've got the League Cup final against Manchester City. 
Manchester City should steamroll Arsenal. Uh, you know, I talked about this before. I'll say it again. Uh, whoever thinks that Arsenal won the, uh, the winter transfer window needs to have their head examined or at least see if they've been paid off by Arsenal directly to write nice fluff pieces on them. Because, uh, again, uh, the defense for Arsenal is non-existent and they're going against the most prolific scoring machine in uh, soccer this season across uh, the, the various leagues. So uh, Man City should uh, win this one handily. It's just a matter of do, does Arsenal lose uh, by four goals, five goals? Uh, if they're lucky, they get a goal and they make it a three-goal loss, but... You know, I, I just see a ton of goals being scored by Arsenal. Uh, well, uh, by Man City against Arsenal. So, uh, Wenger's going to have some explaining to do. Uh, well, he should have explaining to do. He probably won't be held to the fire by the media because just the way the media operates, they don't bother asking reasonable questions like, why on earth did Arsenal not bring in any uh, defensive backs from the transfer window when they knew they had an issue leaking goals like crazy throughout the season. But, you know, be that as it may. Uh, You got soccer coming up. Uh, The last point I wanted to get into uh, for today's show, uh, before I come back on later to do uh, some baseball rankings, is the fact that uh, last night, uh, so watching the game uh, go past uh, 2 a.m. again, uh... (laughs) Because it ended up in the uh, in the overtime, but uh, you had Olympic athletes representing Russia against Germany in the uh, you uh, the men's Olympic final. Uh, you know, regarding Russia's presence at the Olympics, uh, I didn't have as much of a problem with it as other people did, but you know, the more you come across the fact that there were still two more incidences of doping by Russian athletes, the more it just highlights what I've often said. The reason why I didn't have much of a problem with it is because I know the IOC is inherently corrupt, so they'll only do things as a half measure, but they know where their bread's buttered, and, you know, Russia happens to be one of those uh, countries where uh, they get to pay it to look the, the other way. So, uh the fact that they even got caught initially for the doping uh, just shows how lazy some of these athletes were in terms of covering things up. But, uh, you know, the Russian flag ban, the Russian anthem ban. Here's a story that people really aren't talking about. Uh, besides the doping, it's just on the moral grounds. So you had Slava Voinov on the uh, Olympic athlete of Russia uh, men's hockey team. Voinov... For those of you who uh, may not know, was a defenseman in the NHL, and the reason why he is no longer part of the NHL is because of the fact that uh, going back uh, tail end of 2013, uh, there was a domestic violence charge against Voinov where he beat his wife to a pulp. Uh, the wife called the cops on him. Uh, Voinov was eventually charged with uh, domestic assault and was only ordered to serve 90 days in probation, but instead of facing possible deportation charges, uh, opted to uh, 
just go back to Russia directly and enroll in the uh, KHL. Now, everyone knows that the formal charges uh, against uh, that could have been filed because there were additional charges that prosecutors were thinking of uh, filing against Voinov, uh and he he, uh, he basically absconded to uh, Russia once uh, he got wind of him. You know, based off of the ideals of the Olympics of being representative of everyone in terms of uh, race, religion, sex, you know, the fact that you've got a wife beater on a gold medal team should be a black eye for everyone involved uh, that was a part of this a creation of the uh, Olympic Athletes of Russia hockey team. Because, again, you've got athletes doping still, uh, so they're, they're still not uh, properly screening these athletes. And you've got a guy who's a criminal playing on your team, and you're celebrating uh, his accomplishments uh, because he scored a goal in the game last night against... Uh, uh, Germany, uh, you know, he contributed to to the victory, and you're celebrating him as a hero when, honestly, the guy is kind of a scumbag. You know, that is where the Olympics just show how much of a kind of game it is because, you know, you get stories like uh, that. You get stories where uh, the U.S. Olympic Committee uh, is upset with the uh, medal count for the U.S., Never mind the fact that they imported a bunch of uh, events from the X Games uh, to artificially boost up the medal count, and it didn't work out uh, because uh, the results weren't necessarily there for the American athletes. Uh, you know, U.S. Uh, the U.S. Olympic Committee spent over sixty million dollars in marketing alone uh, for uh, these games in terms of. Uh, getting some of these games across, get it, getting uh, uh, what would uh, essentially be support for winter athletes, which it really is a, isn't support. It's more like uh, enforcing the dues involved with athletes and marketing them, and the fact that you got to pay your executives over one million dollars each. Uh, you know, again, I can go for quite some time on the corruption in. Uh, the Olympics involved, but I, I just wanted to highlight the fact that the uh, Olympic athletes from Russia controversy just encapsulated so many things that are wrong with the Olympics right now because of the fact that you knew Russia was not going to be banned from these Olympics. So hoping that they didn't win a gold medal wasn't going to do all that much because they were going to win in figure skating regardless, uh, whether it was uh, Zagidova or Medvedev. Medvedev, and that was about as close as I'm going to get to getting it right today, it seems, uh, given how long I've been talking. But, uh, you know, you could try to mask it all you want, but, you know, the Russian athletes are still going to show some uh, pride for their nation, even though the nation shouldn't be represented here at the Olympics. But the IOC did it because of the money involved. And it's always about the money involvement. So that's what uh, happens uh, in terms of uh, participation. You know, the U.S. athletes, uh, you know, they had their own issues. Nagasu threw 
basically everyone in the sun under the bus for her performance in the women's free skate and then stated that she wanted to go on Dancing with the Stars, which, you know, was not a great career choice because everyone piled on her for being selfish. But, you know, uh, it is what it is. So uh, I'm, I know I'm sound like I'm ending the episode on a downer by trashing on the Olympics this year. I mean, there are some great stories, but let's not forget that there's a whole ton that can be fixed with the Olympics and, uh, for that matter, college basketball because uh, this FBI story is not going away. So uh, that's going to do it for now. Uh, maybe I'll do a recap on the soccer games later. Uh, I'll get into the fantasy baseball preview again. Uh, it was just that we had enough Olympics talk here that I needed to get to that I was backlogged on. And I probably still missed a few stories uh, here and there that I wanted to get into. But we'll see where it goes. And uh, uh, that's all for now. And uh, hope you guys have a good day uh, with your Sunday. So uh, take care. talked about position in all of sports the quarterback and now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field celebrity qb featuring four-time super bowl champion coach charlie weiss unlike other football shows you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks like is this the year tom brady finally looks his age will dating danica patrick distract aaron Rodgers? i mean he's dating danica patrick charlie we're interested in that you know well i mean tommy's got giselle i'll, I'll take giselle okay <laughs> is dak prescott good enough to win a super bowl for the cowboys which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018 how about intellectually charlie as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now the game has changed but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.